your word and for your revelation to us. And Father, today we come before you and we ask, dear God, that you would speak to us. Lord God, make clear your purposes, make clear your wisdom and knowledge in this place. Father God, may you be glorified in the next few moments as we share in your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that I have, Lord God, to share your word with your people. May you use me as your vessel, Lord God, that I would decrease in my own flesh and my own thoughts and my own understanding and that you would increase in me, Lord God. Use me and I give you all the praise and all of the glory. In the name of Jesus, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today is the final message in the series that I have been doing, Body Work. And we have learned some things, at least I hope we have learned some things, glory to God, concerning our responsibility as the body of Christ, concerning our responsibility of functioning the way that God has called us to function. As the body of Christ, God has called us to fully function, individually contributing whatever God has supplied us with to the collective growth of the church. If you remember, when we were in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, we understood that as each part does its part, as each member does its part, and, 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 and the body does what? It begins to build itself up in love. And so we are all called to be contributors. And I want you to know something, that you are more than just a person with an offering monetary value. Amen? You, you, you are a person who has more to give than just your 10% tithe and whatever it is you give for offering. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's important for you to realize because a lot of times we see ourselves as just having that and that's about it. We, we can come to church and we give our offering, we give our tithes, and that's our contribution. I'm here to let you know that that is not the truth. But God has given you life. He's he's breathed his spirit inside of you and in me. And that way we could contribute to the growth of one another. So that way we could be active participants in what God wants to do through you in this earth. Amen. It should be our goal. It should be our desire. When we read verse 24, look at verse 25, I mean verse 25, and toward the end part, it says, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. It should be the desire, and and, and I want to make this clear because I don't know what the desire of any other church on the planet is. I don't know what the desire of any other place is. I don't know if they just, you know, want to have a good time. I don't know if they just want to learn more about the Bible. I don't know what they want, but I'm going to tell you what the heart of God is. The heart of God is is to find a place and a people through whom he can manifest himself. Mm -hmm. It, It is to find a place and a people through whom his presence can move freely. Amen, somebody? It is to find that because this is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of the church is to do what? Is to be the revelation of God in the earth. It is to be the manifestation. We are called the body of Christ. And so we want to be that manifestation for what? What is the purpose? So we can just feel good together? So we can just have a good time? No. It is so that way when a non-believer when somebody walks into the doors, that they will be able to testify God is truly there. 
That is what you and I should desire to be individually and what we should desire to be collectively. We should desire that when we walk in this earth, when we day by day, wherever we work, wherever we live, that people will be able to encounter God when they encounter us, not because we are God, but because God dwells in us and we are allowing God to live through us. And when that becomes the case in our individual lives, then something happens when we come together corporately or collectively it is that God that we have been walking with now begins to manifest himself in a great and glorious manner and whenever you invite someone to the house of the Lord that does not know God they experience something they start to feel something going on inside of them that they didn't feel suddenly tears begin to run down their eyes and they don't even know why suddenly situations begin to come up and they start to experience you know what that is church that is the presence of God moving and manifesting because what? God is trying to get their attention, glory to God. But in order for God to be able to manifest himself in his fullness, you and I have got to be committed to body work. Hello, somebody. We have got to be committed to being a part of that glorious plan and purpose that God has with his church on the earth. You and I, you and I, church, have been given so much I, I, don't, I don't know if you understand it yet, and I hope that you do, but you gave your life to Jesus, and he put his spirit in you. And when he did that, you now have the almighty God dwelling inside of you. And what God wants to do is manifest himself through you and through me. He wants us to be vessels that carry his glory within this earth. God has called his church, and I noticed something in, in chapter 14 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul says here, read verse 1 with me, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And I found it peculiar that the Apostle Paul, who is the, 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 the one who is writing this book, he wrote like 13 um, books in the New Testament. I mean, this guy inspired of God. I found it, you know, kind of odd that he would tell you to desire something if that desire wouldn't be able to come to pass. Hello? So he says, pursue love, desire gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. This morning I want to speak to you the message entitled, Prophetic People. Because God has called his church to be prophetic people, a people who love, a people who live, and a people who minister under his divine inspiration. When we talk about being prophetic, we are talking about living under the inspiration of God's spirit. We are talking about being a people. As the book of Romans says, it says those who are the children of God will be what? Led by the spirit of God. That is what it means to be a prophetic people, to be a people who are led by the spirit. That's what God has called us to be. And the apostle Paul is saying that you and I should desire to prophesy. I want you to notice this is not all scholars will agree on this. This book is not a pastoral epistle hello in other words this book was not written to leadership alone this is not first and second timothy or the book of titus this is first corinthians this was a church a book that was written to everybody in the congregation hello and the apostle paul is saying everybody in the congregation you should desire something and that is to be able to prophesy, to be able to be a prophetic person, not a pathetic person. Hello. Here is the reality. The body of Christ cannot 
afford to be relaxed and complacently dependent upon the gifted leadership in the church to do the work of the ministry and ultimately fulfill God's will upon the earth with the church. See, because like I said, a lot of times we feel that all I got to do is I just come to church. We have gifted preachers. We have gifted musicians. We have gifted singers. We have gifted um, teaching. We have gifted people who can evangelize. We have these gifted people. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to come to church and I just want to feel better about myself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's why a lot of folks come to church. I don't, they would not come to Faith Dome for that glory to God because I think I challenge you a little bit too much for you to feel better about yourself all the time. But anyway... That, 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 that's the reason why some folks come to church, you know, because when I come to church, I just feel better. Yeah, you feel better because of the spirit of the Lord, glory to God. And that's wonderful, but it is more than that. And, you know, we have a, we have a very good example of, of why it is important that the church is not relaxed or complacently depending upon gifted leadership. Last night, we saw a wonderful game. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a, a gentleman that is a phenomenal athlete, glory to God. He is very talented, very gifted, strong, smart, wonderful. But he couldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it alone. You know what? They, look, look, look. I, I want you to understand something. He couldn't do it by himself. LeBron James could not do it by himself. As gifted, as talented, as everything that he is. You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. On another night, he could have done it all by himself. But last night, he couldn't, do, he couldn't do it by himself because his opponent was just outplaying the whole team. You understand what I'm saying here? Why, 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 why is this important or how does this apply to what we're talking about? Here's the thing. If all you to do is depend on the leadership in order to get the job done, guess what? Your enemy is not focusing on just one person, church. Your enemy is not just focusing on the leadership. Your enemy is focused on a whole lot of stuff. And you as a church and we as a people have to collectively get into the game and get into this spiritual warfare and get into our position. And that way we can go out there and we can execute the plan and the purpose of God and we can bring devastation station to who the kingdom of darkness hello see but if you sit back and you say well you know we got gifted leadership we got gifted folks who you know are good and they can do all this and they, you're right we, we we have gifted people praise the living God but listen that should make you feel comfortable that should make you feel relaxed that should make you feel like you got to do something because look at it this way if we could do if the church as a whole, can do as much as it's done thus far with the leadership that it has and a few folks that are working, what do you think we'll be able to do when everybody gets connected? Well, what, 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 what do you think begins to happen when the gift that you have not been contributing, when the gift that you have not been allowing to manifest through you begins to manifest? How much more glory, how much more power, how much more fulfillment of God's will do you think is going to happen? When you have more people who are serving God with all of their heart and all of their soul, don't you think it's a little bit easier to take more territory? Hello? So what we got to do is we've got to be a people who rise up to the call of God to become the prophetic people that he's called us to be. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time for your potential to become your reality. And that will happen by you yielding to God's divinity. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Listen, it is, it, 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 is, it is high time that your potential. See, potential, I love Miles Monroe's definition of potential because potential is who you are but have not become. Did you hear me? Potential is who you are but have not become. And for some of us, we've been walking around and we've been satisfied, oh, glory to God, with people saying, man, you have so much potential. Listen, it's time to wake up and begin to get in position and start birthing and walking on that potential because you can, look, look can I tell you, the richest place, I heard a preacher say, I, I got I to let you know where I heard these things. I heard a preacher say it, the, the richest place on the earth, you know where that is? It's the cemetery, glory to God. You know why? Because there's tons of buried potential laying in the ground. There were people who heard all of their lives, you have so much potential and never did anything with it. You could be so great and never became great. You could do so much and never did anything. You could go so far and never went anywhere. There are so many people who are walking around in church. I want to let you know that it is important that you don't get satisfied with just hearing about what you could be and that you become what God called you to be. We as a people have so much that we can do for the kingdom of God because God dwells inside of us and wants to move through us. Repeat this after me. A prophetic people must understand the meaning of prophesying. The apostle Paul, like I said in verse 1, he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on to explain why prophecy is, 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 is better than just speaking in tongues. And I'm going to tell you why this is important for us, because there are certain groups of people that they elevate speaking in tongues above every other gift on the earth. Hear me. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not spiritually mature. Hello? If you, if you don't speak in tongues, I, I don't know if God dwells in you. Mm -hmm. But see, I've seen some people that speak in tongues, and i got a question. Does God really dwell in you? Although, what, what tongues are those? Glory to God. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing new. This didn't occur in the Pentecostal church. You know where it occurred first? In the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, they were exalting the speaking of tongues. And the apostle Paul is saying, guys, that isn't the mark of maturity. The mark of maturity is that you are being built up, is that you are building others up. The mark of maturity is not because you speak in tongues. No, no, no. He's saying there is something greater. And that's why he says you should desire to prophesy. Why? Because when I speak in a tongue, I build myself up. I build my inner man up or your inner woman. You, you build yourself up when you're praying in the spirit like that. But listen, that doesn't help anybody in here. If I got up here and just started speaking in tongues, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Hello. What, what would I do for you if I stood up here and just went off speaking in tongues for 45 minutes? Edify me. Right? That's all I would do. I wouldn't edify you. I wouldn't help you one bit. Not at all. You'd be sitting there, okay, that was great. I don't know what Bishop was doing, but mm -hmm. the worship was good. Glory to God. The Corinthian church had this issue. they all about this, this, this one gift. They, they just wanted to speak in these tongues. But when we talk about prophesying, what does it mean to prophesy? We got to understand what it means to prophesy. And by the simplest definition, when you look up prophesy, it means to speak forth the revelation 
of God's mind or God's heart. That's what it means. When you talk about prophesying, that's what you're doing. You're speaking the, 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 the word of God is prophecy. Prophecy in the scripture, that is what? It is speaking forth the knowledge of God, the purposes of God, the will of God. So when he's saying prophesy, he's saying you should want to be. And, and prophecy on another level is simply this. It is to be a, a speaker who speaks under the inspiration of God's divinity. In other words, you don't have to talk about future events in order to prophesy. Hello? That, 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 that's, what, that's what we got mixed up. We, we think that in order for you to prophesy, you got to go and tell people about their future, tell someone who they're going to marry, tell someone where they need to work. Hold on, hold on a second. We, we, we're not crystal ball gazers up in here. Hello, somebody. This ain't 1-800-DOLL-A-PSYCHIC and get an answer for the rest of your life. This ain't none of that stuff. God wants you to be led by his spirit, but you can speak under inspiration. Listen, you can be prophetic by walking up to someone and telling them, listen, I just feel led to give you a hug. That can be the most prophetic move you've ever done in your life. What do you mean, Bishop? Because you were under the inspiration. I've seen it happen tons of times. I've been on altar calls and, and, and sitting there praying. And I mean, I'm praying, you know me, I sweat all over the place, screaming all over the place. I'm not like yelling at them, but you know, I'm just excited and motivated. And I just feel like the block of ice in front of me is a wall there. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is like, just give him a hug embrace this person and all of a sudden they start breaking down tears begin to flood their eyes and what happened what made listen it was because that person didn't need me to scream shout spit whatever on them what that person needed was an embrace that symbolized the embrace of God the father hello that person needed to experience some acceptance. That person needed something at that moment. And so when we talk about being prophetic, church, we are talking about living a life that is under God's inspiration, that follows God's spirit. And so when, I, when we're talking about prophesying, I don't think I know for sure, as a matter of fact, if you read this whole chapter in its context, the Apostle Paul wasn't talking about everybody getting up in the church and giving a word for the future to the church. You know how crazy that might have been? Hello? Listen, he was saying, I want you to be a people who live under inspiration. The book of Revelation 19.10 shows us something else about prophecy, and it tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So can I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you how we can measure how prophetic we really are. Can, 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 can we measure it? I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you the, the perfect measurement. The way that you and I can measure how prophetic we are is found in the degree that Christ is revealed through us. That's, that's the true measure of how prophetic you are. Not how many people want to hear you. Not how many people get excited because you came into town. Because let me tell you something, you're a real prophet. Folks won't be getting too excited when you come into town. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know. It, it, look, look in your Bible. They, they weren't excited when the prophets came into town. Samuel comes into town. They're like, do you come in peace? Because they knew the prophet was coming. The man of God was coming. And guess what? Stuff could get all messed up real quick because all they got to do is call down fire from heaven. Heaven is, I mean, fire is coming. Hello. One prophet, they called the guy bald. He said, uh-huh. Walk, walked away. These kids got eaten up by some bears. Glory to God. Listen, read your Bible. It's in there. Praise the Lord. They understood. A true prophet wasn't someone that you wanted to just be buddy-buddy with because, you know, we all got some hidden stuff. 
And God, and God might reveal that hidden stuff to that prophet. Hello, somebody. Uh-huh. So listen, listen, listen. God wants us to be a people that measure our propheticness, if that's a word. I'm making that one up. You can add it to the dictionary there. <laughs> our propheticness. I like the way that sounds, too. Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm going to have to send it, send it to Webster's or something like that. If we're going to measure that, we measure it by how much is Christ being revealed through us. I'm really prophetic. You know what people are going to be seeing? They're going to be seeing Christ in my lifestyle. I'm really prophetic. People are going to experience Christ when I begin to operate in the gifts that Christ has put in my life. You see, one thing that we realize is that, or that I realized when I was sitting down, I was meditating, I was actually walking through here, meditating on the message. Whenever we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, we are literally being the most prophetic that we can be when it comes to a corporate setting. What do you mean? What I mean is that if you are operating in a word of knowledge, you know what you're doing at that moment? You are releasing the knowledge of God at that moment. That's prophetic, glory to God. You're operating in a word of wisdom. And you know what? That word of wisdom is coming forward. And these are just some of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to go through every one of them. But you get that word of wisdom coming forward. And what you are doing is you are, you are releasing a portion of the wisdom, the understanding of God into a situation. When you're operating in that gift of faith, what are you doing? You are releasing in the atmosphere an assurance, not positive thinking. Because folks think positive thinking is a gift of faith. I don't know where they got that from. Gift of faith is not you building yourself up to believe it's going to happen. That is not the gift of faith. If you've got to build it up, it's not the gift of faith. It can be faith. It could be hope. Hello? We talked about that on Wednesday night. If you were in Bible study, if you weren't there, shame on you. Glory to God. But if you were there, you heard we were talking about the difference between faith and hope. When Peter walked up to the man at the gate, beautiful, he went up there and he said, look, silver and gold have I not. But what I have, it wasn't no, okay, let me stir up what I got. Let me figure what, no, it wasn't none of that stuff. It was simple. What I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Grabbed the, the guy by the hand, walked into the church, praising and worshiping the Lord. That's faith. Hope is a different thing. But when faith is manifesting, when faith is manifesting, what are you doing? You're releasing that, 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 that assurance of who God is. And look, when it's really the gift of faith operating, Really, when, when it's really the gift of faith operating. Whatever that faith is connected to is going to come to pass because that's what happens. Hello? Are, are, are you with me here, church? And so when we operate, and if you go through all these gifts of the Spirit, you'll be able to see how prophetic they really become. You have a gift of leadership. When you are leading, what are you doing? You are releasing the revelation of God's leadership within what? The church. It's simple. When we are, are operating in the gifts, that's why we can't sit back and not do anything, church. We have got to find what God has put in us and begin to walk in it so that way we can do what? So that way we can release the revelation of Christ. Number two, please repeat this after me. As a prophetic people, we must embrace the necessity of being prophetic. 
See, there's a whole lot of folks in the church that they could care less about, you know, being prophetic. They could care less about prophesying. As I said before, people come to, you know, come to church and, you know, it's good. You know, they, they, they're going through situations. They're going through issues. They're going through stuff. And they want to come to the house of the Lord because I believe that the house of the Lord is a hospital. But let me just explain something to you about that concept there. The house of the Lord is a true hospital. And what I mean by that is that God Almighty has your number. God Almighty knows exactly what it is that you need. And sometimes you need to feel worse before you feel better. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. In other words, sometimes you come into the house of the Lord with sin in your life that is causing you depression, that is causing you heartbreak, that is causing you discouragement. And before you are going to really feel better, listen to me now, you have got to repent. You have got to feel bad. You have got to recognize this sin. And then once you repent of sin, then guess what happens? The Bible tells us times of refreshing come. You repent of sin, you so, you so you feel a little worse, but then you're able to feel better, not just for a moment, not just for a few hours, not until your situation, no, no, no. You are able to feel better as long as you walk in that intimacy with Christ. Amen? But there's a need for us to be prophetic, and we've got to understand it because here's the reality. And this is going to be a little tough, so prepare yourself. But too many of us ignore our gifts neglecting our responsibilities, and we are missing the greatest opportunity to experience true fulfillment. You see, what happens is when you come to the house of the Lord, when you come together with your brothers to Bible study, when you come together, that's the reason why I got you reading the book of Acts and we're going through it the way that we are, because I believe that God wants to speak through you. I believe that God wants to reveal himself to, through you. I believe that God wants to show you some things and challenge your faith and call you to come higher in him. And it's not going to happen by you just sitting there hearing us teach, hearing us preach. It is going to happen when you get Get engaged with what God is doing. But we sit back and we ignore our gifts. We ignore what it is that God has placed inside of us. And by ignoring that gift, what we are doing is at the, at the same time, simultaneously, we are also neglecting our responsibility. When I ignore what God has put inside of me, when I act like it doesn't matter, I am now neglecting what God has called me to do. Because if you remember, in phase two, we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, especially when we dealt with the gifts of leadership. I said that the gifts show you what you are called and equipped to do. That is what the gifts of the Spirit do. And so what happens? They show you what your responsibility is. They show you that this is what you can do. And you know what, church? We're never going to be able to experience what we saw over here in verse 25. We'll never experience that until we, were, we are all operating in what God has called us to operate in. But you'll notice something in verse, 14, in verse 1 of chapter 14. He says there, the apostle Paul says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. He says to pursue love. I want you to notice the emphasis and the difference between the two words, pursue and desire. See, because many people in the church have it backwards. They pursue gifts. They desire love. If love comes, it's okay. That's not the way God's order is. God's order is pursue love. Remember we talked about this last week? 
We dealt with the need for love in the church. We understand that that has to be the motivation. And what we've got to do is we've got to be a people who are not just pursuing, oh, I want to prophesy, and I'm going to go learn how to do this. No, 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 church. That's not what's supposed to happen. What is supposed to happen is that we are supposed to be pursuing love. We are supposed to be going after love. We are supposed to be moving and running after the intimate knowledge of love. And the Bible says what? That God is love. Therefore, when we are pursuing love, we are pursuing God. And so as we pursue God, then all of a sudden something else happens. When we are motivated and we are moved by love, something comes out of that. And it is a desire for the gifts of the Spirit to manifest. And the reason why you want the gift to manifest is not because you're bored. It's not because you think you're so great. It is because you realize how vital it is for the gifts of the Spirit to manifest for the edification of the body of Christ and not your personal glorification. See, the real reason why you and I should want the gifts of the Spirit to manifest is not because we're so wonderful or because we want people to know how gifted we are. No. It is because we realize how needy the gifts of the Spirit are so we can grow. See, because if we don't have people that are operating in gifts of serving, we don't have people who are operating in gifts of leadership, we don't have people who are operating in gifts of administration, we don't have people operating in gifts of healing, we don't have people who are operating in working of miracles, we don't have people who are operating in discerning of spirits, we don't have people who are operating in these particular gifts, then guess what? We are not able to fully grow the way that God wants us to grow. And when you are motivated by love, when you are pursuing love, you begin to view the body of Christ. Make it more personal. You begin to view your brother. You begin to view your sister. You begin to view the ones that you sit next to week in and week out. You begin to view them in a different light. You don't see, you're obviously going to see where they're weak. You're going to see where they get on your nerves because folks going to get on your nerve. Hello, somebody. It's going to happen no matter how much love you got because I know you love your kids to death and sometimes, hallelujah, you need a timeout. They don't, glory to God. Amen? Sometimes you need to call on grandma, grandpa, somebody, uncle, aunt, someone. Hallelujah. They just need you right now, praise the Lord. You love them to death. Love them to death. But sometimes you just need a timeout. It doesn't change as we get older, glory to God. But listen to me, when you are pursuing love and God is dealing with your heart, you don't see people and their weaknesses as being something that is going to overwhelm you. What you see is you begin to see the need for certain gifts to be manifested in their life. It may be a word of knowledge. You know why? Because someone needs to come with a word of knowledge and say, listen, this is what you're doing in private. And because you're that person's friend and you're close to them, they ain't going to listen to you because they think it's just you. But when someone out of nowhere... Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it happens, church. Glory to God. Someone comes up and says, listen, you know, I was praying, and the Holy Ghost just showed me. So I, I just want to let you know this. You got to deal with this. Not to embarrass you, but for what? For your edification. Because you can't grow, right, if you got stuff going on that's hindering your growth. Hello? So when we're operating in love, when we're motivated by love, this is what occurs. We begin to be that people that want to see the gifts manifested, not because... We want a name, we want recognition, but because we want to see his glory. Number three, repeat this after me. As a prophetic people, we must honor the order of prophetic ministry. See, I, lo I, lo I love the apostle. 
Because the apostle communicates and he tells us to pursue love. He tells us to desire these spiritual gifts. He tells us especially that we would prophesy. Verse 3 goes on and tells us, but, you know, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to man. He communicates all of these wonderful things as he's going throughout this chapter. And he's letting them know some stuff. But then he goes on and he brings some order to the situation. How many of y'all like order? Mm-hmm. We got a few that like order. The rest of us don't. It's all right. Glory to God. Because I have a word for you. And it's not a word of knowledge. Glory to God. It is a word that is found in the word of God. And I want you to look at verse 37 with me. Just look at verse 37. I want you to look at this real quick. Because the Apostle Paul specially put this in there for the spiritual prophetic folks. Those ones that are led by the Spirit and don't want to listen to no one. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know, I know it's hard. It's all good. Verse 37, you got to say amen. amen. Look what he says. He said, if anyone thinks himself or herself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord verse 38 goes on but if anyone is ignorant let him be ignorant now that's not the best translation of that verse there because really what he's saying is whoever wants to ignore what I'm saying let him be ignored you hear that they, they, they don't want to hear about the order. They want to say, yeah, I'm down with everything except. Mm -mm. The apostle says, ignore them because they are. Listen to me now. He's saying to ignore them because if they do not accept the order that is in the scriptures, they're immature, they're unspiritual, and they don't want to grow the way God wants them to grow why is order so important the reason why order is so important is because we are a part of a building project we are a part of God's building project God is building something now listen this is important because if I am on a construction site and I am the one who is called to build a house and I go to the construction site and there's some and there's some plans that are laying there at the construction site and I go ahead, open up the blueprints and I begin to look, you know, the slab is already out there. And I begin to look at the blueprints and I start measuring off and marking off this and start preparing everything. And then I go ahead and I call in order to the building supplier, and the building supplier doesn't have the same blueprints as I do, do you think there's going to be a problem in the building project? See, because what's going to happen is, if he has a different set of blueprints, that set of blueprints calls for different measurements of wood, calls for different amounts of things, calls for different stuff. And here's the issue. That is a lack of order. Because you can't order correctly, and you can't build until you get what you need in order to build it. And can I tell you, church, that this is God's blueprint for building. 
Every single situation in your life is covered in this blueprint. The next series we're going to go through is entitled By the Book. And we are going to look at the blueprints that God has in all of these different areas of our life. But for this morning's um, application, the reality is that God in his church, he has given specific order. He has given specific guidelines. And look at verse 26. He says this. He says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, the thing I want to challenge you with, and I'm getting ready to close, is that you notice here the apostle is not condemning them because they come to church full. Hello, somebody. See, the issue is that we come to church on empty. This wasn't their issue. Their problem was they didn't know how to direct their actions. Hello. They didn't come to church waiting to hear the message from the preacher. That's not how they came to church. They already had a message to preach. Hello, somebody. They, 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 they didn't come to church waiting for what the musicians and singers were going to sing. They came to church with a song. Hello, somebody. They wanted to participate. That's how the church was flowing like that. They were seeking God. And the issue was that they were oh so, so zealous to do these things that they weren't able to do things in order. And so there was a lack of edification. Because when I'm trying to sing my psalm and you're trying to teach your teaching and you're trying to speak in your tongue and you're trying to give your revelation and you're trying to give your interpretation, guess what happens? That creates a whole bunch of confusion and a whole bunch of mess. And you know what happens is you get some emotion going on but very little building up. And remember, church, God is not concerned with our emotional highs and lows. God is concerned with the body of Christ being built according to his pattern. He wants you, he wants me to come to the house of the Lord full of worship, full of, of, of understanding of the word, full of revelation. But he wants us to know how to operate in order. Look what he says in verse 27. He said, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn and let one interpret. So here's the order he's given. He's saying these are the commands. He says, I don't have an issue with speaking in tongues. He says, but if you're going to speak in tongues, first of all, there should be two or three people at most. And if you're going to speak in tongues, there must be an interpreter. Because look at verse 28. But if there is no interpreter or no one who has this gift of the interpretation of tongues, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words... You don't have to interrupt the service. You're speaking in tongues. You can be in there and worship. I do it all the time. Did it all this morning. You didn't know it didn't affect your worship in, in a negative way, in any way, shape, or form. Didn't create any chaos or anything like that. But began to speak and worship and minister unto the Lord. And that's what he says to do. You don't have to interrupt the service. You don't have to call attention to yourself if there's no interpretation or if you don't have the interpretation of tongues. He goes on to say in verse 29, he said, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge and so again he says i don't have a problem with prophecy in the church but in your gathering look if we got 50 60 70 people in the church and everybody wants to prophesy do you know what time we want to leave we might as well go on ahead and just leave next sunday glory to god just bring next sunday's church closed praise the lord <laughs> so he's saying listen listen 
I want you to be able to speak that prophetic word. I want you to be able to speak that inspiration. But, at, but, but in your gathering, let it be two or three at the most. And he says, and not, don't just let anybody just get up and just speak. He says, there's an order to this thing. Glory to God. What does he say? The others judge. So the other people, mature believers, let them judge what's being said. What are they judging? They're judging the validity of this word. Because here's the thing, church. This is what we got. We've got to grasp. We can have good intentions. We can have good feelings. And even in, in our own hearts and in our own spirit, we can know that we know that we know that this was right. And it doesn't necessarily make it right. Are you here? Now, y'all ain't saying nothing. I know y'all don't want to hear that. Glory to God. That's how your teenagers feel, praise the Lord. They don't want to hear that stuff either. But it's okay. Listen. There's times that we feel stuff. And it doesn't make it right. It may seem right, but that's the reason why you have others that are more mature, that they can judge what's going on, and that way they are able to keep order. But if anything is revealed to another who sits, let the first keep silent. So if he's prophesying and someone there is getting a revelation, then the first one should be mature enough. Hello? Should be mature enough to go on and say, you know what, I see you got the revelation. I'm going to go ahead and take a back seat. Go ahead and speak what God wants to speak to the church. Bringing forth that edification to the body the way that it's supposed to be done. Look what he says in verse 32. He said, and the spirits, oh, I'm sorry, verse 31. He said, for you can all, look what he says here. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So what happens when church happens like this? Well, everybody else is sitting down in the congregation. Everybody else who's participating, guess what they're doing? They're learning. The word of God. They're learning how the order is. They're learning how to operate. That, that, that's what they're doing. Because God wants all of us. Remember when we're talking about prophesying, going back to the simple definition in the beginning, to prophesy means to speak forth the will of God, to speak forth the mind of God. It means to be under, to speak under divine inspiration. That's all it means. And so the scriptures give us a clear outline on how this thing is supposed to happen. There's got to be order in the house of the Lord. And he goes on to say in verse 32, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, you know how you know, there, there, there's people you know, that, that say stuff you know, because it sounds so spiritual. Well, you know, when the Holy Spirit moves. Okay. That was Paul's answer to when the Holy Spirit moves. If you're creating confusion, if you're creating fear, if you're creating an atmosphere, because we're we going to get to the next verse. The next verse says something real good about God too. Glory to his name. Now listen, I want you to understand these things because God has set his order. And that way, what can happen? Remember what I said that our desire should be? Is that when an unsafe person comes into the meeting, that they experience the presence of the Lord and that they are able to be changed. Amen, somebody? That they're able to worship God. But he, but, but, but he communicates and he says the spirit of the, of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, just when God is in control, you know, you, 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 um, or should I say, when God is controlling you, he's not going to go against what he said in his word. Amen, somebody? When God is leading you, he's not going to lead you. I told you the story about a woman who came and, you know, she drove all the way to Benny Hinn Ministries, had a whole U-Haul van packed and everything like that, came up to the gate and said to the security officers at the gate, said, listen, the Lord told me he's going to be my husband. She would, obviously, she believed what she was saying. The woman packed up, moved from another state, glory to God. 
She was being led by a spirit, but not the spirit. And I promise you, she was, I can almost guarantee you, she was up in a room somewhere crying because she knew Benny Hinn was going to be her husband. Again, there was something going on inside of her, but it wasn't God. That's the reason why God sets his order so that way we can go on ahead and we can be led by the Spirit and we can grow together. Verse 33 says this, and this is why I'm closing. For God is not the author of confusion or disorder, but the God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. This is what God says in his word. It's not me making this up. But God is saying, listen, we are called to be a prophetic people. We are called to be a people through whom the Spirit of God manifests. And God has placed gifts inside of each and every person that is in this place. And God wants each of us to operate in those gifts fully. For what purpose, church? So that way we can see and we can experience what God wants us to experience. And above that, that way we can be the witnesses and the ones who are manifesting that, that revelation of Christ the way this earth needs it. Listen, we live in an hour that desperately needs for the body of Christ to take its position that desperately needs that each of us that is in this place, if we are not operating in our gifts, that we begin to. If we are not walking in our gifts because we don't know what they are, listen, God can show you all you got to do is ask. That's what he tells you. If you ask, you shall receive. So this morning, my final question is what I believe to be the most important and it is, to what degree is Christ manifesting through you? To what degree is Christ manifesting through you? Does your wife see Christ in you? Does your husband see Christ in you? Are your children seeing Christ in you? Are those co-workers of yours seeing Christ in you? Are your neighbors seeing Christ in you? In the church, here's, here's the church part. Are you allowing God to use you to the fullness of what he wants to? Or are you holding back for some reason? And I don't know, there's, there's a whole lot of reasons. There's some people that hold back because they're afraid. There's some people that hold back because of other stuff. There's some people that hold back because of sin. Listen, if it is because of sin that you are holding back, we appreciate you holding back because of sin. But I encourage you to repent of your sin and begin to operate in what God has called you to operate in. Amen, somebody. There's some people that are just afraid. They've just been held back. And you know what? What you need to do is recognize that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it is up to you, it is up to me to rise up and say, God, I'm going to be everything you've called me to be. So the question is, to what degree is Christ being seen in your life? Stand up, please, and bow your heads. Every eye closed and every head bowed, please. It is impossible for Christ to be seen in you, for Christ to be seen through you, if you do not have a relationship with him.